You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage Podcast, the podcast designed to help you save your marriage no matter where it is right now, even if you are before you have an issue, before you have a problem, you're trying to avoid a problem. That's a great place to be. Great understanding, great place to start the process of building to something that is trouble-proof, that is you know, a whole marriage that you both would treasure and love. Now, what if you're at the other end? What if you're in trouble? What if you need to save your marriage? We're here for that too. In fact, that's where I designed my program to help you save your marriage, kind of regardless of whether you're the only one wanting to work on it. And today I'm answering a question that's kind of as the tide is turning. What happens in the process as a spouse decides to come back? One of the things that I often do on these podcasts is to answer your questions because I want to make sure that we're addressing where you are. I'm addressing where you're stuck. If you've got a question, I'm looking for what I call the Goldilocks question. Not too hot, not too cold. You know that Goldilocks just right? Here's the just right. First of all, if your question is so broad that it would take me hours and hours and maybe say a whole system to answer, like, how do I save my marriage? Well, I've already done that. I've already created the Save the Marriage system that is waiting for you at savethemarriage.com if it's that broad of a question. It might be so specific, though. It might be almost a coaching question, if not a coaching question, that is only to your relevant situation, that I can't extrapolate from there and make it to a broader audience. I would be answering only for you. And since this podcast is listened to people around the world on every continent, I'm not sure about Antarctica, but everywhere else, I've got to make sure that it applies everywhere I speak. So... If you've got a question that fits the Goldilocks place, send it to me. You can email it at podcast at savethemarriage.com. That's podcast at savethemarriage.com. Today's question, though, is from Mary. Mary says, my husband came home after eight months. Since then, I've been trying to reconnect. With, and by the way, after eight months is after eight months of being away. Now, They've been back together for a while. So this is uh, several, uh, quite a while into their process of rebuilding. And she says, back to the letter, since then I've been trying to reconnect with him and sometimes it works for a short while. My question is, how do I make peace with the fact that my husband does not want to have an intimate relationship with me? Interesting question. So Mary, this is for you and it's for all of us to think about how do you deal with where things are? So let's start with that. I want to start with the idea that acceptance is really what you would be talking about. Acceptance of what is. You say make peace, and I want to use the term acceptance. So acceptance is when we are able to look at where we are and recognize that is where we are. Back when I was a chaplain at the beginning of my career, it was at the beginning of a lot of the focus on Kubler-Ross's stages of grief. And if you're familiar with that, you know that the last stage, if you line them up as one, two, three, four, five, which by the way, she didn't mean to, but her stage of acceptance is that kind of that final stage as we used to think about it. So acceptance 
is uh, often the place that people would try to move through or move others through in their grief process. And so I remember as a chaplain, there was always this push to get people to accept, to get to acceptance. And what I realized is that we had confused resignation with acceptance. People would be resigned to their diagnosis, and that would be their acceptance. So it, it ended up being a fairly kind of brutal, pushy process because what we would do is have people face the harsh reality of their diagnosis, hopefully with a lot of support. But the medical world was trying to get people to see their acceptance. And so many times it was because things weren't going to go well for them, at least medically speaking, at least in the medical opinion. They would often have something that they just could not get beyond. And so we tried to get them to acceptance. And, and I have to own my part of that because I was part of the team that would try to get people to see what really was true about their diagnosis. And we call that acceptance. What I realized in that process that the acceptance that really was resignation was trying to get people to almost give up. And that, to me, wasn't really the acceptance process. And as I've thought about it over the years, I see how it applies so many times in our life. Acceptance is really being able to, with clear eyes, look at where you are right now, at this moment, looking at where you are in this instance. Acceptance is really arriving at this moment of seeing where you are in this moment and recognizing we don't necessarily know what's going to happen in the next moment. Oddly enough, I had enough uh, from my family history to see that acceptance may not be the right answer. My grandfather and my grandmother were both given terminal diagnoses of their cancer, and both of them lived years beyond what was expected. My grandfather many years beyond what was expected. So even what I had seen before should have told me that what we're really dealing with is what we know right now, given where we are. So I want you to think of this, Mary. Let's say you decide to go on a trip. And in that trip, you know, you are going to do a couple of things to get ready. One of them is probably you're going to plan your route a little bit. So in the old days, uh, what I used to do when I was younger was to pull out an atlas, a road atlas. We used to keep it in the car. <laughs> so you could keep it in the car. So sometimes when you were lost, you would have to figure out where you were, and that would show you because it showed every road on the state. And so we'd go state by state and look through. So in our road atlas, what we'd have to do is flip between the pages, and we would kind of build out the route from where we are to where we're going to get to. Now you don't even have to know where you are, right? You just pull out your phone and tell it where you want to go, and it sets it up because it arrives you right where you are. But the old days, you'd have to know where you are. So let's say that I am in the middle of the country, which is where I live, and I want to make it to one of the coasts. It doesn't matter which coast, but I really don't want to make it from where I am. I, I choose another place to leave from, right? Maybe I choose somewhere closer because then it won't be as far of a drive, right? So let's say instead of the middle of the country, I choose somewhere that's just a state or so over from the coast. And I'll say, well, I'll, I'll just, that's, I'll, I'll get the directions from there. That's, that's what I'm going to count as my starting place. As you can imagine, you're not going to make it where you think you're going to because you're not starting where you're planning from. You can only plan from where you are right now. And so acceptance is not giving up. Acceptance is recognizing 
where you are right now. So one of the things I've often used as I've talked with people about what's going on, they'll say, you know, I can't do this. And I'll just suggest that they add one word to that. And that word is yet. I can't do this yet. And there are many reasons why that yet might be there. It may require a shift from some external factor, right? Maybe if you if you want to get a job and you say, I can't get that job, it's possible that something external, like right now we're in the middle of a, a pandemic, and so there are some jobs that are just not available. If you wanted that job, it doesn't matter because you can't do it. I mean, you're probably not going to get a job right now as a tour guide, right? So you could say, well, I, I want a job as a tour guide, but you can't do that yet because there's no tours happening, right? It's possible that instead of an external, it's internal. Like you don't have some knowledge that you need. You don't understand about something. And so perhaps, you know, there's something that you've got to learn. So right now I can't do brain surgery. Now I could say yet, right? If I was going to med school, maybe I could do that. I've got a a person I know from years back that is in med school and and is thinking about going in as a surgeon, right? And, And do the specialty. So right now he might not be able to do brain surgery, but he could learn the skills. It's possible for him to learn the skills to do that, right? So there's another yet that is within your capacity, your learning capacity. It's also possible that, you know, there's a combination. There's a kind of a timing issue. For instance, if you are 15 and you want to drive, you can't yet, at least in my state, because you're not old enough to do that. And so there are some chronological kind of developmental things that might be true also. And in your case, I'm wondering if it's a combination, the external, your husband, your spouse is not ready for that level of intimacy, whatever that is. And when people tell me, uh, when they say, my husband does not want to have an intimate relationship with me, sometimes what they mean by that is a spouse doesn't want to have sex with them. Other times they don't want to be close with them. Intimacy is one of those weird words we use to represent lots of things in our culture. So I'm just going to use that as a kind of a broad term. Your husband's not ready for that yet. That's the external thing. It's possible that there are some pieces for you too, like maybe you're not at that place where you're ready for that either. And it's the combination between the two of you that keeps you away. Or perhaps there's not been enough change and growth in your relationship to facilitate that. So let's back up a moment and acknowledge that where you are is where you are. Whatever you're talking about, about your intimate relationship, that's where things are. And making peace with it is actually a matter of going, this is where we are. This is the fact of where we are right now. I can't have an intimate relationship with my spouse. And then I want you to add on that one simple word, yet. Because wherever you are, there's a possibility for moving somewhere differently. I mean, if I am on that drive again, right, I know now I know where I am. If I'm beginning to plan my trip, I'm going to say, okay, here's where I am. I'm going to make a little mark on it. Here's where I am right now. This is my starting point, but it's a starting point. There's a departure. Now, how long it takes me to depart, that could vary. Maybe I have to do some packing. Maybe I have to do some preparing. Maybe I have to earn some money for the trip. Maybe I have to find some way of getting to that place, but all of those factors may delay me, that doesn't mean I can't go. It just may not be on my time frame. If I say, well, I want to go in the next day, 
And that's not possible. That doesn't mean I'm not ever going to get there. It just means in the next day I'm not going to get there, given the constraints that are there. So acceptance is your starting point of being able to say, this is where I am. And you, you've said that to me. This is where I am. So making peace with it is simply going, this is where I am. And then I want you to add on a more aspirational word. I can't do that yet. So what might make some shifts that get you in the right direction? First of all, I want you to do something. I want you to notice and even celebrate the change that's already happened. The fact that your spouse is now home. The fact that you've gone from a broken relationship to a relationship coming more together. Not where you want it to be, but coming more together. So celebrate that a little bit and recognize that there has been growth and change, that there has been some shift that has already happened. Don't overlook that. You know, sometimes in our rush to get to somewhere else, we can't appreciate what has happened and what has changed. Don't miss the celebration of the fact that you're at a better place than you were, that you have a capacity that you didn't have before. Don't miss that piece just because you're in a rush to get to the next piece. Celebrate that place. Just like on a trip, you could say, you know, I want to go somewhere else, but wow, look at where I am now. It's not where I used to be. So celebrate that moment. Look at the growth that you've already had. The second thing is continue your efforts to connect, but you've got to make sure that you're doing it without pulling or chasing. Because that's often what happens. People get a little progress and they just put down their head and start running at their spouse. Start pulling at their spouse without noticing that they're now overshooting the possibilities. So continue to work on building the connection. You've already rebuilt some of the connection. That's how you've gotten to this place. So you're already on a success course. Keep up that course. But make sure you don't pursue and pull in the process of trying to connect. There are two different kinds of connection. One is the type that is a desperate connection. It's an anxious, desperate connection that comes out of fear. The other is an offering of connection, an invitation to connect that comes out of love. Make sure you're going from that. That's, that's part of how I base what I talk about in my Save the Marriage system is how you connect without chasing, without pulling. Because when you chase and when you pull, the other person feels it. And when we feel chased or pulled, we resist. So celebrate the place where you are and continue to work to restore the connection, to rebuild the connection, maybe even build the connection that might not have been there before. And then there's another piece to it. And that is to make sure that you're showing up in the relationship. Because sometimes what we allow to have happen when we're not at peace with something is we allow our anger, our resentment, which is really kind of the side effect of hurt and pain, to come through. Your spouse doesn't know that it's based on hurt, but only feels the anger and resentment. Neither anger anger nor resentment are designed to pull people closer. 
If somebody's angry with me, it's a repelling feeling. If somebody is more about their hurt and is aware of their hurt and works through that, that's much more attractive. So make sure you're showing up. Don't allow your frustration, don't allow your anger to keep you from that place, from accessing that place of connection. Show up your best self. So think of the three letters, BBS. Being your best self. BBS, be best self. Show up as your best presence. Continue to work, to grow, to change yourself, to be the best person you can be. So that when your spouse is ready to connect more, you're ready to connect more. And you can begin to follow the lead of that to get to the place where you want to be. So how do you make peace? Accept that that is where you are. Celebrate where you've come from. Continue to work to rebuild the connection. And continue to work to be your best self. Okay, Mary, I hope that helps, and I hope that helps others because there are plenty of people who get a little headway and sometimes get a little freaked out when they either can't make more progress or they're not sure what to do from there. So you've named that for us, Mary, and I appreciate that. Do remember, for everyone listening, if you're at a place where you're trying to figure out how to do all this, grab my Save the Marriage system. Now, a couple of things about that. If you get the system, please do the extra step. I'm offering a free week of my VIP virtual intensive program. This is the time when it's free. This is the only time I allow it is when you sign up. I'll offer it to you. You have to click to decline it, but go ahead and accept the invitation. It's a free week. I have lots of resources in in there, including my tools of connection that are all about how to connect without chasing, how to connect without pulling. And you can access all of that for that free week. The second thing is my coaches are going to help you through a short session, a best start session to make sure that you're getting the best you can. It's no charge for either of those. It's a free week of VIP and a free get started session with one of my coaches. No obligation on either of those. We just want to make sure you have the best start you can get. If you're really ready to go, the the time is now. The time to do that is This moment, don't wait for more time to pass. Don't wait for more damage to happen. Don't wait for more confusion to come into the process. Get started now. The starting point, savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. 